The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Logan Brand, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome back to another special edition of the Bear Down Report podcast. Tonight, we've got Mike Page, we've got Jack Wright, we've got Logan Bradley, I'm Ryan Dengel. But most importantly, we have a really special guest with us tonight, Chris Emma from 670 to Score. Chris, thank you so much for being here on the Bear Down Report podcast. We cannot thank you enough for your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to this. So, uh, you've been now at the Score for, what, seven years? Uh, six years now. Yeah. Almost into seven. So, so what's that like? Can you kind of just maybe walk some people through on a day to day? What, what is this? Is this the dream? Is this where you saw yourself? Yeah. I mean, more or less, I grew up in the uh, Western suburbs of Geneva and I, you know, I grew up watching Chicago teams and, uh, I, I always kind of wanted to get into sports, uh, sports media, sports journalism and work with a place like the score. And I grew up listening to the score and, um, yeah, this is kind of where I wanted to be. That's awesome. So could you kind of tell us that that first time you get on live radio or that first time you get in front of a big personality, whether it be on the radio or on the field or something like that, what was kind of going through your head? You know, the first time I ever did, I'll give you this one. The first time I did TV was about, I don't know, four or five years ago. And I was excited. I was ready. You know, there wasn't any nervousness, anything like that. So my mom mentioned uh, an episode of the Brady Bunch and I, I'm 30. I never watched the Brady Bunch. I was like way before my time, but my mom mentioned that I think it was Marsha, but maybe Bobby Brady. I don't know. It's maybe you guys know the reference. It was Bobby Brady had like a, a brain freeze moment when he got in front of a camera. My mom's like, don't have your Bobby. Brady. I might be totally butchering this story, but she got on my head with the Brady Bunch and, you know, the camera went on, and I'm thinking Brady Bunch. I'm like, don't don't freeze, don't freeze. Somehow, my mom got into my head with the Brady Bunch, an episode I'd never seen a story. I still can't even tell quite accurately regarding what it was from that episode. But I had a little bit of a brain freeze. There wasn't an actual brain freeze moment on TV. But I'm like, I'm trying to gather my thoughts, and I'm thinking Bobby Brady or Marsha Brady or one of the Bradys. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Chris, if you don't mind, we would love to jump, jump in and start talking about the Lions game. Uh, the first question I'm going to throw out to all of you guys, but Chris, you first, if you wouldn't mind, what went wrong? And most importantly, who do you blame for this, this Lions loss? It, it starts with Matt Nagy. I mean, it's got it. When you look at some of the game management situations, forget the play calling or the different scenarios, but you have a 10-point lead. That, that starts with the play caller. And uh, I started at 7.22 to go in the fourth. It's a 30-20 to 20 ball game. Bears are at the Lions 40, facing a fourth and four, and they punt the football. That's a spot where when you kind of fast forward later on, and Matt Nagy's talking about being aggressive on that third and four where Trubisky drops back and he strip sack. He was conservative at a point where he had a 10-point lead, and you're trying to put that game away. But then he gets aggressive in a spot where you want to be conservative. There were some just basic game management things from Matt Nagy that really kind of went out of whack. Um, the other thing that keeps standing out to me, and it might be more Chris Tabor than Matt Nagy, but the, punt, uh, the kickoff return after 30 to 27, and the Lions had just scored. And the Bears had been frustrated with the Lions weren't kicking deep to Cordero Patterson, which is expected. The guy's been fantastic all year. He's one of the best kickoff returners in NFL history. So they, you know, the, uh, they continue to kick to J.P. Holtz until the Bears flipped it. They put Patterson up front and Darnell Mooney deep, which you're just inviting them to kick it deep as opposed to sacrificing the yardage of kicking it short. I don't understand that move because then Mooney comes out of the end zone. 
is instructed, it seems, I don't know if it's for certain, we'll hear from Chris Tabor uh, later this week, but it seems like he was instructed not to run the ball, even though you're putting in a, in a position to catch that ball. And then you're set up kind of deep in your own territory and in a position where that strip sack decided of the game and gave Detroit a go-ahead score. There are just so many different details of this game that really start and end with Matt Nagy. And it was the perfect storm for him. This kind of loss against this kind of team, you couldn't have that. So now, Chris, we don't know where you stand in the whole Mitch Trubisky debate. We have <laughs> talked about it endlessly, just like every other Chicago Bears podcast, every other Chicago Bears media outlet. So a lot of people saying, hey, Mitch is the reason he fumbled the ball. He's the one that lost the game. Can you kind of let us know where you stand on the whole Mitch Trubisky issue? I think you start that blaming Jermaine Effetti. I mean, you got a one-on-one, which by the way, it also goes back to Matt Nagy. You're setting yourself up in a passing play where you know Jermaine Effetti has to hold up one-on-one. Jermaine Effetti has not been the best tackle in the National Football League by any means. Uh, Effetti's got to hold that block. And I, look, I mean, Trubisky didn't have much time in the pocket. That's a play where he was uh, apparently eyeing uh, Anthony Miller. Man, now you described it as a triangle of reads, and he didn't have time to go through those triangles at all. It's not an excuse for Trubisky. you got to protect the football better, and that's not a blindside play. I mean, that's a right tackle missing a block that should be in your line of vision as you look off through your reads. And frankly, it's been part of the issue with Trubisky is a lack of awareness, whether that's in the pocket or going through his reads. Um, he's got to be better with that stuff. It's year four. It's a mistake you simply cannot have when you're at this point in your career. He's a 26-year-old quarterback. He's not a rookie anymore. I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I, I guess I started with a Fetty who's got to hold that block and you, you can't let, you know, that's not JJ Watt or TJ Watt going through it. <laughs> I mean, uh, Aquara's been, it looks like he might be a decent player, but you got to hold that one-on-one for a little bit longer. Absolutely. So now we know the McCaskies are not the people to fire a coach or a GM in the middle of the season. Do you expect them to let uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy go at the end of the season. And really kind of curious, if you were the McCaskies, what are you doing this offseason? Let me backtrack on that first. I, I know that narrative has been out there. And it's because the McCaskies have never fired a coach in the season. But I don't think that's necessarily their, their philosophy. It, it could be. I, I don't know that to be true. I don't know if other reporters who have said that know it to be true or not. But I, I'm not entirely ruling it out, given the nature of this season where lost six games in a row playing some really bad football, but there's still also four games left and you got a chance to mathematically make the playoffs. We all know this team's not making the playoffs, but it could be that last ditch effort. I'm not entirely ruling it out. I, I don't think it's likely that the Bears fire pace or Nagy in season. Um, but I think at this point it looks, given the way this thing's going, unless there's some dramatic turnaround in this final quarter of the season, it's inevitable that they're going to be fired any chance the bears are actively trying to lose out the rest of this season? No, when you look at the, the position of quarterbacks in this draft, they'd be wise to, I mean, it's obviously it doesn't benefit anybody currently within Hallis hall, because what we just mentioned, I mean, some of these changes, they, they certainly seem like it's inevitable and it's coming. And I mean, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy need wins to save their jobs right now. And obviously, you know, Ryan Pace can't <laughs> lose four straight games to, you know, to look to next season if it's not guaranteed for him. So, uh, I mean, yeah, they'd benefit and put them in a position to potentially get one of those guys like a Trey Lance who could be there to fall a little bit or Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson will still be there regardless of what the Bears finish out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think it would benefit them to look at the draft position, but I don't know who in Alice Hall that benefits right now. So we've already started thinking a little bit about free agency. 
who are the Bears priorities to bring back? And who are the guys that you're thinking, man, I mean, this team needs to address immediately. Could you maybe kind of talk about that just a little bit? Yeah, I guess I'll start by saying I haven't gotten, uh, you know, into who the free agents they should be targeting. You're outside of the, the team right now. But um, the, the key decision is going to be whether that's Ryan Pace or the next general manager is going to be what you do with that big contract on the books with Allen Robinson. It's obviously coming off the books. I mean, do you allocate that money to Lockheed and Robinson long term? Or do you allocate that money to a position like tackle and shore up, you know, the offensive line moving forward? It, it, it sucks for the Bears because, you know, these top receivers, you just don't find them. The Bears said they really haven't been able to draft that guy. I mean, Kevin White obviously flopped for them. And Allen Robinson was the replacement of that. It, it, it's hard to find some of those top 10, top 15 receivers out there. And uh, But at the same time, we've seen the way that this offense functions with a poor offensive line, and they need to make that move as well. So I think their big splash in, in terms of free agency, relatively speaking, they won't be able to spend a ton of money, really, given the way their cap situation is set. But uh, they're going to have one big move to make, and I think it's going to be on the offensive line. So now, Chris, we were talking about this right before you came on. This is a name I'm going to throw here, this out to you. You know, there's a whole lot of things that need to kind of happen in order for this to take place. But Carson Wentz getting benched in Philadelphia uh, today. Is there any way you see him coming to the Bears? And if there was that opportunity, would you take it? Yeah, uh, it's funny. I, I, I had that thought. Of, there's going to be a number of those options out there. Some of those intriguing guys that are going to be looked like, you know, franchise quarterbacks this year, departing teams. I mean, there's one the Bears just saw Sunday at Matthew Stafford, who might be moving on from Detroit after this year. Um, you can look to Sam Darnold as well. Um, and if I had to pick between that, I think you have to look to Darnold, who's still on that rookie contract right now, where Carson Wentz, it, he, I don't think the Bears want him right now. As intriguing as he was a couple of years ago in his, you know, that MVP caliber quarterback that he was during before that Super Bowl run, this is a guy in a contract right now that looks really bad. Uh, for starters, the Bears can't even afford that contract. I mean, it, it's they, they were a step ahead of the Bears, locking in their number two overall pick to a long-term deal, and then the decline hits. The Bears didn't sign Trubisky because they were a year behind the Eagles were, and the decline hit a year early for Trubisky than it did for Wentz. But, I mean, I, I don't think Wentz is leaving Philadelphia. I think he could if Hurts really lights it up, could be that backup option. But um, I think if the Bears are looking for quarterbacks that are on somebody else's roster right now through trade, I think you have to start with Sam Darnold. That's a really interesting name, thinking about how many of these quarterbacks would really benefit from a change of scenery. Do you think Mitch Trubisky gets a shot somewhere else, Chris? Yeah, because in the NFL, if you're drafted high, you all seem to get that second shot. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of understand what Trubisky is. I mean, he's 26 right now. It sounds like he's a guy just in his first couple of years. I mean, next year will be year five for him. It never came together. The Bears – put everything they could around him. They brought in the coach they felt could develop him and the right kind of structure and all kinds of, you know, the sounding boards that we kept hearing about. They brought in all the sounding boards. And I think this is just kind of the guy that he is. I, he's not a bad quarterback. He's not, you know, he's not, he, he's not one of these hor horrific quarterbacks you just can't wait to bench. I mean, you've seen the offense of the Bears improve with him. And I think that's really a credit to him. You know, you know look, look at the way Nick's full struggle with this group. I mean, Trubisky's done a good job kind of elevating this thing to a little bit more confidence. And, uh, I think he could be a starter. I don't know if he's, you know, a surefire starter for a team week one next season, but he's probably pressed into one of those competitions against another veteran like a Nick Foles with another team and gets an opportunity. And 
I don't know if he takes off or does anything dramatically different than he did in Chicago, but he'll get another chance. Jack, I just want to make sure that you heard him when he said <laughs> that he was significantly better than Nick Foles. I just want to make sure that you heard that loud and clear. Yeah, I heard that. That's uh, saying that he's significantly better than, I don't know. Uh, are you picking like the nineties Cubs or the current bears? Right, right. So, Absolutely. so one half a dozen of the other. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, let's get into the draft. I know it's super early, but you've already kind of mentioned it talking about these, these good quarterbacks that are coming in. Obviously a team like the Chicago bears, we are starved for good quarterbacking, I guess is a two part <laughs> question. You know, what are you looking for in the draft? And then, you know, the, to follow up to that, are the bears ever going to have a halfway decent quarterback? You know, I, I think they have to eventually at some point, but got to be this is year 101 for the team. And you're still talking about Sid Luckman. I mean, <laughs> my grandma still talks about Sid Luckman. She knew Sid Luckman when she was a kid. And I think she would have hoped that at some point there'd be a better Bears quarterback she could get excited about. But, I mean, yeah, at some point it's got to happen. Um, and, and you mentioned the draft. I mean, they have to draft a quarterback at some point. Um, you can't force the pick. You can't take a guy who's – you know, a quarterback is a high pick because you feel like you have to get that guy. Make sure you get the right guy. Um, there's obviously a lot of needs within this roster, and they have to be prioritized for the draft because the cap space is tied up. You can't make a lot of big moves, especially given the financial climate in the NFL for this offseason and a much lighter cap than it's been in the past. Uh, it, it really puts Ryan Pacer, as we said before, the next potential executive in a really bad spot where – you have to navigate through these kind of difficult waters of the camp space and restructure a lot of things. And that's why the draft is going to be so important. I think given the way this team is built with a lot of guys who can, you know, the bears aren't going to rebuild. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, they're not going to take a dramatic drop downhill. They're going to come back next season, regardless of what happens this off season and try to be competing and winning because they still have Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks and some Robert Quinn and some of these other guys uh, win now players under contract. So they have to use the draft, I think, to find some immediate impact starters, guys who can plug and play in 21, but also you can continue to develop and get better. So maybe that's on the offensive line at a position like tackle, which we mentioned before, or, you know, shoring up some of the needs on defense and making sure that unit doesn't slip off here the way it has these last couple of games. But at some point, you got to get that quarterback, whether it's a guy, you know, in day three, maybe it's a late round pick, a guy you had graded as a day two pick and somebody continues to fall make sure there's a developmental player who you can go into 21. I mean, the Fultz is going to be back on. So you have to have a, a developmental quarterback who you feel is making strides to potentially push him and be that guy. All right. We've got just a couple more questions for you, Chris, if that's all right. Uh, is there someone that you're eyeing, someone that you would really like to see the bears bring in either at the GM position or the head coach position? Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I haven't gotten to the potential GM replacements yet. Um, it's one of those things where you know, things, things escalated from Sunday where I, I, I've started putting that – I've started with the head coach list and, um, you know, just kind of looking at some of the options there. Um, if you have me on in a couple of weeks, I'll get back to you with some GM ideas. But um, it, head coach, I mean, it, looking at some of these names out there, it, it's an interesting setup here because you worry about this defense right now. This defense is made to win. This defense is loaded with a ton of uh, talented players. You want to see this thing not slip off. And, and right now you start to worry about that, giving up 460 yards of offense and letting Matt Stafford leg you up. Um, you wonder if they want to side with that defensive coach, even with the needs offensively. Um, one name I, I say continue to watch is Brandon Staley, the former Bears assistant, the Rams defensive coordinator. 
I, he's going to be a top candidate on this coaching market. And he's got such great familiarity with his Bears defense. Brings a lot of what you lost with Vic Fangio back in terms of scheme and the way that he designs that defense. I think Brandon Staley will be one of those top candidates out there. And I think the Bears should really give him a serious look. Chris, any nuggets of information, any insider information that you can give us, anything that's going on in the NFL that, that maybe Bears fans should be aware of or just anything that you want to throw out or, and also anything that you'd like to plug? Our, our listeners would love to know uh, anything that, that you've got going on. You know, there's nothing – I mean, things are calm right now in terms of the Bears situation. Obviously, it's going to be monitored with each game because you look at the way they finish out this season. I mean, they got – you're facing Deshaun Watson on Sunday, the quarterback you passed up. You go to another division rival with the Vikings. Uh, you know, it's obviously – that could be the nail in the coffin for the Bears against a team that you face twice a year. Then you face the team losing the Jaguars. And if it gets any worse than that, week 17, the Packers come in. And, you know, the Packers could either embarrass the Bears or they could potentially be, you know, resting starters and the Bears win a game and boost themselves in draft position. There's just so many different factors of these last four games that they're all very intriguing relative – to the Bears' big picture. So um, things are stable now. Matt Nagy, you know, he still has a key card to Hallis Hall. And, I mean, they're continuing forward with these final four games. But it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I mean, there's a lot really that still needs to unfold here. So, Chris, last question, thinking about this. You've been in this business for for about, what, seven, ten years now, somewhere around there. And you've seen a lot of hirings and firings. (laughs) Matt Nagy seems like a really good guy. Is there any part of you that, 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 that kind of still thinks about that human aspect or do you kind of become numb to it because, Hey, this is a business. This is how I put food on my table and this is how we kind of go forward. Well, I, I guess I'll put it this way. Uh, d- different than that. Uh, the coaches become numb to it. Yeah. It, it sucks. Especially for you like Nagy who's got four kids and you have to uproot your family. And, but you know, it's interesting talking with some of these assistants the last couple of weeks. And even the, right, right after that Packers game, the questions started coming to some of these assistants on Nagy's staff about job security. And everybody, every one of them answered, look, it's part of the business. They understand it. Um, that there is the human element to it. And, and it sucks. It, and, you know, it's, especially for some of the, you know, it's different for an assistant. Like, for example, Mike Freed was one of the guys who said it's part of the business. But I don't think Mike Furry was planning on being in Chicago for 10 to 15, 20 years, whatever it is. So Matt Nagy had planned. I mean, it's a coach who took over at the age of 40 and a guy who had big plans. Um, you, you feel for him. He's a terrific guy. You said it. he's just an outstanding guy. Um, and, and I think he's more stunned than anybody because two years ago, he was NFL coach of the year. Um, he was the toast of the town. He's just doing a terrific job and things just deteriorated so quickly. I mean, heck, this team was 5-1 and one a couple weeks ago, and, uh, and Nagy could have never seen this coming. He's as frustrated as anybody else, uh, and he just doesn't have the answer. And that's what – I think that's what really eats at him is that he's tried different things, you know, benching Trubisky for Foles, swapping out himself for Laser, um, going back from Foles to Trubisky, uh, calling out the defense, you know, asserting himself as a leader differently. He's done everything he can and really opened up every, uh, every book he can to try to change this thing. and. It just doesn't work for him. Uh, you feel for him because it, I think he felt like he was in a great position here, and now he's seen how quickly that has deteriorated on him. Chris, we cannot thank you enough for being part of the Bear Down Report podcast. Uh, for listeners that are not already following you on Twitter uh, and other social media, how do they get after you, and, and how do they, uh, they stay up to date with all things Chris Emma? 
Yeah, uh, 670thescore.com is where we got all our information, articles, videos, all the above, and then uh, on Twitter at CMS670 for all the latest and everything that's going on with a very busy football team right now. We are going to move to our Around the NFL guy, Kevin Oleski. Kevin, what is going on in the NFL? Well, first up, New Orleans Saints are the first team officially to clinch uh, a playoff berth with a 21-16 divisional victory over the Falcons. Taysom Hill still winning it for the Saints. 27 out of 37 passing attempts with 232 yards, two passing TDs, and 83 rushing yards. Um, the word on the street is that Breeze could be back for a possible return next week, although they may want to uh, take it slow with him considering, you know, they already got their, they already got their spot. Um, the Chiefs also clinched his playoff spot with a close win uh, over Denver 22-16. I just wanted to see how many times I could say clinch in this, uh, in this segment. So Colts fan left tired after clenching uh, the entire second half of the game against the Texans. The score was stuck at 24-20 for majority of the game. A scrappy Houston team. Uh, basically, it's been a touchdown away from beating some really great teams like the Browns and the 11-0 Steelers. Um, but Colt fans come out with a win out of, out of uh, Houston. The, Cardinal, the Cardinals fall to the Rams, which bump Arizona out of its wild card spot. This has been an important uh, NFC side of the playoff picture. It's a huge swing considering the Cardinals lost their spot to the Vikings. And less than a month ago, the Cardinals were 5-2, and two and the Vikings were 2-5. and five. So, you know, lots of developments in the last couple of weeks. This Viking fan right here is pretty happy about that. Um, but watching the game, Arizona and the Rams are really fast football teams. They're going to meet each other again in January, and I'm kind of just scared to consider that the Vikings are involved in that because after what I saw from the Vikes recently, it didn't, it didn't uh, look like we're in that league, but hopefully we'll get there. Uh, the Browns clinched their third winning season since 1999 by beating the Titans 41-35. They can thank Baker Mayfield for that. The Jets lose in the last five seconds of the games against the Raiders to stay winless, uh, which, you know, I say that with a little bit of an elated voice because maybe that's what Jet fans needed. Uh, so the Jets can go ahead and get the first pick and get their, uh, you know, next quarterback. But that's just me here. It was a bench-clearing brawl that happened in the Dolphins-Bengals game. Um, it basically happened after a Dolphins punter got hit, not for the first time, but for the second time during a punt return. Um, Coach Brian Flores of the Dolphins basically was involved in the altercation. He was on the opposite uh, numbers of the field, kind of going to bat for his guy. There were several ejections in the game, uh, but he did nonetheless. Um, the Giants defeat the Seahawks 17-12 with Colt McCoy, who, whose last win as a starting quarterback came in 2014, which is amazing to consider, um, you know, how the Seahawks started their season off that the Giants were able to take them down. The Packers roll the Eagles, and uh, Wentz gets benched due to his low numbers. Ending, entering Sunday's game, he ranked first in interceptions and sacks in the league. He was also 31st in completion percentage at 58.1 and 30th in yards per attempt, uh, 6.02. Compare this to the other side where he celebrates his 400th passing TD. Oh, my gosh. That guy's pretty good. Last but not least, the Vikings play down to a bad, bad Jacksonville team, and they, we barely escape uh, with a win in OT. And this all kind of 
got chalked up, I think, to the start of the game. Uh, our star little linebacker, Kendricks, basically gets a calf injury in, in warm-ups, and he's not be able to play. It looks like he'll be all right, but we just play down from there. The, the good side is uh, some of our rookies are doing better. Cam Dantzler, uh, third-round pick out of Mississippi State, had one forced fumble, fumble recovery, and INT. He's been playing a lot better. And, of course, you've heard his name before, Justin Jefferson, has now entered into, of course, uh, the Rookie of the Year conversation. He has become uh, one, of the rec- uh, one of the rookies in their first 12 career games to receive an insane amount of yards. He's up there with Odell, Anquan Bolden, Randy Moss. He currently has 1,039 receiving yards. That's all I got for you, fellas. Kevin Lefsky, our Around the NFL guy. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it as always. All right, guys, let's jump in to talk about what Chris Emma had to say. Uh, first and foremost, Mike, any kind of thoughts, uh, anything that stuck out to you about uh, our conversation with Chris? Yeah, the first part was that he really didn't mention the Bears defense against the Lions uh, as – kind of the blame for what went wrong. You know, he, he did what he needed to do. He, he talked about Matt Nagy and, and that's where it starts. And I totally understand that. But if you just watch the tape of this game, that defense was just horrible. We cannot play a zone defense to save our lives. It, it looks like we're covering nothing but grass. That final drive uh, of Matthew Stafford, um, it was like what a 70 yard drive and they scored within a minute and a half was, was just un it was unsavory and just un uh, it was just ugly. So I was really surprised they didn't just point straight to that defense right away. Um, and he didn't point to Allen Robinson going out of bounds before that first down. If, if Allen doesn't do that, then, we're not in a fourth and one situation where David Montgomery has to get stuffed for a loss. And he did. I'm, I am super glad that he brought up Darnell Mooney though. And Chris Tabor and what happened with that kickoff play where Darnell Mooney just kind of kneeled it down. He just fell down. He slid at like the 12 yard line or something. He didn't try to run it back at all. And this is what, ultimately set the bears up all the way and and it just got really ugly from there and so um chris was fantastic he he nailed a lot of stuff end of the game gave me the very similar vibe to the double doink game mitch trubisky made that that fumble there's no question about that however he drove his team down the field and got them in a position to score and to win the game. And the two plays, right, to finish the Bears' drive was not really his fault. Uh, people are going to tell me that I, that I love Mitch Trubisky and I see no fault in his game, and that is not the case in any way. Uh, but I just think that he did enough to win the game, and Matt Nagy didn't. Logan, what were you kind of thinking about as, as you heard Chris? Or maybe there's one thing in particular that kind of stood out to you. I really liked when you talked about Sam Darnold as potentially being a target for the Bears. Um, Maybe it's a pipe dream. Who knows? But he's a guy who's on the Jets, and God knows what's happened with the Jets over the past couple of years, however many years Adam Gase has been the head coach. 
I'm sure that he doesn't enjoy playing for the Jets at this point. Who would when you're losing as much as they're losing? He's a guy who's the number three overall pick just a couple of years ago. He's under one more year of his rookie deal next season. I don't know when you go for him if you're the Bears, if it's this offseason or if you wait to see if the Jets aren't going to sign him long term, which, you know, if you're going to get Trevor Lawrence, obviously you're not going to. So maybe you wait past 2021. But then again, does that mean that you're not spending your you know, top first round pick on a quarterback. I don't know. But the mention of Sam Darnold and the idea of him still being a raw prospect who has not got the coaching that he needs, obviously, I think that there's a lot of potential there. And I think it's an avenue that obviously the Bears need to look down every single avenue. But I do think that that's an interesting one to really take a long, hard look at. Uh, Guys, I want to throw this out here to all three of you. This defense gave up 75 points over the last two games. They allowed Matthew Stafford to have 400 yards passing. What happened? What, how did this defense fall apart the way that it has? Starts with that pass rush. You know, you have an absurd amount of money invested into Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, and they just have not been – getting home. They didn't lay a finger on Rogers two weeks ago and Matthew Stafford had uh, all the time in the world. And he, you know, give him credit. He played his heart out and he made some awesome throws. This dude even has like a torn ligament in his throwing hand thumb right now. And so, you know, I can see why our around the NFL guy, Kevin Olefsky likes Matthew Stafford, likes talking about Matthew Stafford. He's got a cannon. Did you see some of those throws? My God, the zip. And it was, they're just fastballs. He's throwing fastballs out there with the torn ligament in his thumb. It's incredible. But, I mean, it does start with that pass rush. It's a failed pass rush uh, uh, on part of the Bears. The pass, the 49-yard reception to Quintez Cephas. I mean, that just... We're not accustomed to seeing that in any way. Jack, anything else you can think of that, that this defense has fallen apart that, that you can kind of put your finger on and say, I think this is the reason why that's happening. So, I mean, one of the things that I think was really telling was watching the Washington football team play against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got the, the Pittsburgh Steelers who have vaunted defenses, much, much like the Bears, but seemingly on a more consistent rate in the very you know, recent past. There's a crispness there that is revealing of a sense of urgency that the Bears just lack. As I'm, as I'm watching both sides of the ball on the All-22, one of the things that is most noteworthy to me is uh, a, a lack of pursuit to the football. Uh, when you coach defense, one of the things that you ingrain in your players is that you pursue the football no matter where it is on the field. You might be, uh, you know, you might force a fumble. You might recover a fumble. You might make a touchdown-saving tackle. When you watch the Bears' defense, and again, I'll go after Cleo Mack because he's, I was just looking at the contracts, $90, $90 million guaranteed left on his contract. Listen, if you're making that much money, you better be Warren Sapp-like on the field, running around like a crazy person, pursuing every play everywhere on the field. But that's not what Cleo Mack does. Uh, he just kind of goes and makes some contact and he doesn't even really look as physical as he used to look. Um, and then he doesn't pursue the football. That's on, that, that's on Chuck Pagano. 
that's just one element of a, of a, a defense that's declined. And I would imagine that's probably because of Chuck Pagano. He's even managed to make Eddie Jackson into somebody that's negligible. So you've got to pursue the football. And the fact that they don't reveals a lot about the discipline and attitude of the entire team. Um, and, and you were right, Mike, the, the pass rush is, is it's, it's not there. You know, if you're going to have Urban in the game, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. He, he is not only unathletic, but he shows no physicality whatsoever. When, you know, when Mario Edwards is in there, at least he is fighting and ripping and clawing and spinning and trying to get to the quarterback doesn't get there. But I'm telling you, if you could just isolate on, on urban for a while, I've never played defensive line and truly I've never been in the NFL, but I know I can fight (laughs) until, you know, I'm exhausted and he just, we don't have that level of fight and aggressiveness and physicality that you have to have, especially in a Bears defense. I like that you brought up the fight because I've had this little thing in the back of my head really the entire week, which is you watch the Bears on Sunday and it's not like I'm watching that defense and I'm saying there's one, two, three, four, five guys who aren't giving an effort. I think that everybody is giving an effort Is that happening every play? I'm not sure, but I think when you get to the point of the season that the Bears are at, when you've lost as many games as you've lost in a row, naturally, I don't care who you are, there's going to be a level of effort that's probably just not there on a play-to-play basis. And at that point, it kind of comes down to the coach, and I'll more so single out Chuck Pagano to be able to get those guys going and, and switch something up, do something different every day in practice, do something different, obviously on game days. So it's not like I'm ready to call out a specific player on the defense for their effort level. Like you said, I think you bring up a good point just because of the amount of money that Khalil Mack makes. It's easy to look at him on a few plays and say, okay, he put his hands on a guy and that's really all he did. You know, you can, you can show a little bit more on film. Um, But I think it's just a natural level of effort that is missing at the moment, just because of the situation that they're in. And like, I mean, obviously these guys are getting paid a lot of money, so it's hard for me to say I get it, but to a degree, it's it's got to be pretty difficult. Yeah, and to be fair, too, you know, Khalil Mack has been on the injury report the entire season. He's got two injuries, a back injury and a knee injury, and uh, in the current state of, of the Bears' affairs, um, you know, he's probably trying to protect his health a little bit, his back and his knee. So uh, there's a, f- a few plays that you're right, Jack. You're absolutely right. He did not pursue the football. It was going in the opposite direction of him. That There's no excuse, though. That's, that's not an excuse to say he shouldn't be pursuing the football. Um, but, you know, he's banged up. And Akeem Hicks didn't have a huge uh, impact on this game either. You know, we were all expecting that spark to return, uh, this game and it didn't. And because he's injured too, he's got a bum hamstring. If you see him, if you key on him the whole game too, he's tired. He's, you know, and I've seen him kind of give a half-ass effort at the end of games too, that he gets tired for sure. Your point about Mac is an interesting one, I suppose, because you often hear that he's double teamed. Right. And I, and I, and I've watched pretty closely and, and he doesn't get double teamed nearly as much as the announcers like to make it out that he's being double teamed. And in, when he's not double teamed, he doesn't seem to have the same effect that he did. So there's, there's maybe gotta be an injury there because, um, you know, I think 
there was so much equity built up on his very first game. You know, it was so exciting and he made such a huge impact and we were all like, oh yeah, let's go, dude. <laughs> and it just hasn't lived up to it ever since. And, um, you know, so I think that's a part of it. And I also wonder if, if Urban is hurt. I'd like to know if he's hurt. And if he's not hurt, then this is another indictment of Pagano because he shouldn't be in the game. Honestly, he shouldn't be in the game. Mario Edwards should play more. I, more. And he did take him out, I think. He didn't play as many snaps this past week. I completely agree with you. I love Mario Edwards. Brent Urban is a good depth piece on the line. Um, he was graded very, very highly when he was used in that fashion, when he was not a starter. He came in as a starter in the Green Bay game and got exposed. You watch the tape on him, and he's getting pushed all over the field. I wonder if it's just a conditioning thing with Brett Urban, and he's just he just gets really tired, and he just gets pushed around, and it looks like he's not giving an effort when really he's just exhausted. But when he's playing uh, uh, too many snaps – he is he's exposed and i wonder i'd love to see some snap counts for how often uh hicks was actually in the game and and how often urban was actually replacing him because he he looked bad again like he was just tired and getting pushed around gentlemen i'm gonna throw this question out here to you all of our listeners need to understand that bear down report was started because we are bears fans that really love the game and we love to know the details of the game but we're in a position now where we are trying to watch our team lose football games to get a better draft position and i want to know do you guys have a hard time with that i do i i Anytime I watch, and we're talking the 2016 season, right? whatever, the 27, just the awfulness that it was, I'm still rooting for this team to win a game, and I'm out of my mind. Logan, I'd love to start with you. How do you feel in this position right now? Are you wanting the Bears to lose right now? It's, it's, t- it's tough. It's tough to deal with because as a sports fan and as a, I'm a competitive person, I mean, I am too competitive most of the time and I want to win at everything that I do. I want my sports teams to win at everything that they do. And for the most part, they don't, but that's beside the point. I, I find myself leaning towards just wanting them to lose. It's not like after the game, I'm going to feel good about the fact that the bears lost the game. I'm going to feel like I felt this Sunday. It was just disappointment. And it was trying to find an emotion that was correct to apply to whatever had just happened in that game. I don't necessarily want them to lose, but I'm leaning towards that at this point because you start to see the names that are at the top of that draft. And just like with any draft, there's an obvious difference in tiers and we don't necessarily know what those are right now, but you know, at the end of the day, I don't know what winning does the rest of the way here. I think you can mathematically still make playoffs. Who cares? You're going to get, you know, you're going to get crushed if you make playoffs. I do lean towards them wanting to lose. Mike, Jack, what about you guys? How do you feel at this point of the season? As soon as the Bears hit eight losses, then I can start talking about rooting for the Bears losing. But until that happens, I'm going to be like you, Ryan. I just can't force myself to root for a Bears loss when even there's a slim chance to get to the playoffs. You know, January... 
magic can happen in January. It doesn't matter how you get there, just get there, right? But um, I know that might even be illogical, right? Stupid, but I just can't watch the Bears lose uh, with the idea that I'm hoping that they're going to lose. It's just so ugh, yuck. I can't do it. I agree. I mean, I, it does. It makes you feel like you, right? I mean, I think it's one of those deals where if they do lose, you're not quite as bummed because they are putting themselves in a better position in terms of the draft. But to, to watch a game, I mean, I really, I'm not sure, even sure like how like feasible this is. I mean, I know NBA teams will tank to get a better pick, but I mean, if you're asking NFL players to tank, I don't think they're going to do it. It's just not, it's, I don't, it's not a football mentality at all. I don't think they would do it. And I don't think we would want to see it. And anybody that's, that's buying the product, I think there'd be, you know, they'd be heading to Hallis Hall with, you know, pitchforks and, and uh, torches. So. so, folks, we've got some things that are coming up at the Bear Down Report podcast we are really excited about. The first thing, Jack Wright and I finally did it. We finally got Twitter handles, uh, and we would love for a follow because right now it's just uh, it's a little bleak right there. So if you would, uh, please feel, uh, feel free to follow. Uh, I'm at BDR Dengel. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. Please uh, go ahead and follow. Jack, where are you at on that? I'm at uh, J Wright's BDR. So it's J W R I G H T BDR. And Mike, of course, the, uh, the our, our actual BDR Twitter handle is at bear down underscore report. The other thing that we're really, really excited about is later this week, Jack Wright and I are going to sit down with former NFL player Garrick Jones uh, in a conversation leading up to the Houston Texans Chicago Bears matchup Garrick played for the Jacksonville Jaguars the Houston Texans the Atlanta Falcons uh, in a career that started in 2002 and he's making a push to be an NFL GM and we're really excited to sit down and talk with him and talk about all things uh, Houston Texans as always folks we want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for reading. We have to say thank you again to Chris Emma uh, from 670 The Score uh, for being a part of the Bear Down Report podcast this evening. It's harder and harder to say, folks, but we're going to say it one more time. Please, please, Bears fans, bear down.